this morning we have on the ladies from the Cabin Co, Peyton and Caitlin, which may get a little confusing throughout the episode (laughs) (laughs) when we say Caitlin. Well, they know your name by now. So, well, yeah. your, I mean, your voice. Oh, oh so they'll oh. know. Like, yeah, they yeah. do. <laughs> they'll know which voice, which Caitlin is, is speaking. Is which, yes. I will say this is one of the most in-depth and um, candid conversations that we've had because it's really less around our typical questions around business and how it operates and more so on just beliefs and getting curious and potentially disagreeing um, and still having really incredible, respectful communication. Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing else that comes from this podcast, it's about like getting curious and releasing your judgment in order to ask questions and gain more knowledge. Right. And we've all talked about it since then, both both groups of people were a little bit nervous about what the mm-hmm. recording would be. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're aware that what their business is might not be suitable for everyone, but that doesn't mean we can't sit down and have a conversation and ask questions about different people's beliefs and why they believe what they believe and how that plays a role in their life. And I think it makes all of us um, stronger and smarter in what we believe and why we believe that. So it's great to have those conversations. Absolutely. And I really enjoyed their company and just learning more about the modalities that they use and um, offering breath work and intuitive movement and all sorts of classes and workshops at the cabin um, that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, genuinely was curious about how it all worked. And I felt like it was a perfect environment to be able to ask those questions, which I'm so, so grateful for. Yes. Well, we hope you enjoy our conversations with Caitlin and Peyton. I'm Sarah. I'm Caitlin. Two women discussing all things in business. Welcome to She's She's the the Boss. We're here. Hi. Finally. (laughs) Last time we were supposed to record, it was on my the day after my birthday and my husband surprised me yes a little night out so did you go to a concert we went to see a comedian that's right yeah it wasn't very good oh Oh, bummer yeah (laughs) we won't name the comedian oh (laughs) okay she's about to name the comedian we don't want to talk about that don't waste your money (laughs) well and they don't let you take phones in or anything now right to the things so you can't record them Uh, or anything like that so even like you have to like print out your ticket mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the whole oh, deal. Go old school with it. Old school. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. The copyright issues, all of that stuff. I was worried we were going to get like evacuated or like <laughs> something terrible because <laughs> we're all in there. Like nobody's got phones and like, I mean, mm. they could say or do whatever they wanted. That I was is nervous. true. Wow. Yeah. Is it a small venue? No. Is it Deepak? Oh, mm. oh. Right? Wow. Yeah, that okay. is a lot of people. I mm-hmm. think I'd be feeling some kind of way about that too. Right? Yeah. So did like, you just like have to leave your phone in the car? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And if you if people did bring it in, they gave you this case that mm-hmm. locks and they can control the lock. Yeah. On it. So to me, it was really creepy and like Hunger Games-ish. Yeah. Like, very. <laughs> very. Well, welcome to <laughs> the world. <laughs> right? I was like, huh. Interesting. Yeah. What are they going to do in here? Oh, jeez. Oh, so geez. anyway, side oh. note. Tangent. I know. Okay. Tangents. We're all 
We have the ladies of the Cab and Co here, mm-hmm. and Peyton and Caitlin. Yes. Um, Those names it, go well together. They do. Peyton they flow. Yeah. It was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know that you guys know each other. Yes. yes. And Caitlin and Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <laughs> no one could see my finger pointing. <laughs> and then we've known each other mm-hmm. for years. Yep. Peyton and Caitlin. Caitlin. The other Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this is an interesting mix in such a small town and Mm -hmm. small world. And I'm so curious how you guys Mm -hmm. came together and just the whole story behind your friendship and then now a new business venture together. Yeah. I'm going to let Peyton share I was going to let you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. You you go and I'll fill in the blanks. Oh, okay. Um, So I... Oh, where do I begin? It's kind of a long story, but I'll go with the short version. Uh, I had been doing my own healing work and really was diving deep into my spirituality and all of that. And one day a breathwork class with Reiki popped up on my Instagram and I was like, I'm going to go to that. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, I am very familiar with Reiki. My mom is a Reiki master. I also practice Reiki. I'm a practitioner. But prior to that, um, this was a few years ago, I decided to, on a whim, go to this breathwork class. And I laid on the floor doing the breath work uh, in the lower level at Hot Asana with Caitlin facilitating. And I convulsed on the floor, sobbing a sob I've never even cried before that I didn't even know what was happening. I didn't know what I was even processing or working through. Um, But it was a massive release that I experienced. And then I was hooked. And every time there was another breathwork class, I would go. Um, and then I kind of put myself out there on a whim and I had received some messages for Caitlin in the middle of breath work one day. Um, and if you don't know what that is, it's kind of just like an intuitive information that you get. Uh, I don't really know. It's just like an inner knowing that I have. I'll see images or hear words in my mind. Um, and I decided to ask her if she was open to receiving them and she was. So I gave her the messages that I received and they really resonated with her. And then that was kind of it. We got coffee after that and it kind of just grew from there. What did, what did I leave out? I think you got it. I think I was just, I remember having this moment when you came to me of thinking how brave it was to bring that forward, being like, I just have these messages that I've received for you. <laughs> Whereas in our culture, that's still very much, I mean, it, even as we're talking about it, I'm sure that people who are listening are like, what is, what are they actually, what is she meaning by that? Yeah. And so to be fair, like I didn't grow up with any kind of context or anchor for anything like that at all. But she came to me no, no matter what, like she just and said, this is what I have. This is what happened for me. Do you have space to receive it? And so I just, yeah, it was just like a little moment of like, wow, that was really brave. And then we had coffee, we shared stories and, um, the rest is history. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) pretty much. Yeah. So when you're describing that, I think there's probably a lot of people and I think us included that are like, this is new language to Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll say that like my brother and his partner Mm -hmm. live up in Asheville Mm -hmm. 
very connected with the community. My brother does a lot of DJing for ecstatic dance. And I have gone to him in preparation for this to be like, help me understand Mm -hmm. kind of this whole world, Yeah, you know, and just some of like the language and everything, because when I don't understand something, mm-hmm. I get genuinely curious. Like I have yeah. a bajillion questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Caitlin, like, we research. love that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, so in him kind of us going back and forth and him explaining just some of these things, I was just like, oh, okay. This is just a whole world I don't understand. Yeah. And I would imagine because you paused and you said, if you don't know what that is, you know, that there's still <laughs> a little bit of this like, oh, we're doing this thing that is maybe misunderstood in your perception mm-hmm. or, you know, people just don't know about or whatever it is yeah. that I do think there is a little bit of bravery and courage yeah. to say, yeah. hey, yeah. we do this stuff and you may not agree with it. You may not understand it. Yeah. Uh, it may be this foreign thing to you. So how have you guys navigated that piece? Mm-hmm. Because I think for you, this has been something that you've felt, if I understand correctly, sort of like in the closet about for, for sure I was totally in the spiritual closet and there may be listeners that totally resonate with that um it is kind of like a a common thing that people talk about is kind of coming out of the spiritual closet I was raised by a mom that does astrology tarot energy healing reiki she does all of it we didn't have like pictures of Jesus and the Bible in our house, we had statues of Kuan Yin and Buddha. And that was just how I was raised. But no one else was, even though I was in a big city, I didn't have friends that kind of had parents doing the same that if you came over, they were going to ask when you were born and where so that they could look into your astrology. Um, So it was an aspect of me that unless you're really close with me, I kept hidden and close to me. It was kind of like I kept my cards close for that. Why? I'm so curious. Because it was different. I mean, there were so many aspects, honestly, of just me in general as a kid that were quote unquote different. Like I had a 504 plan because I have ADD and dyslexia and I had to like leave the room to go test and no one else did. It just there was so many little layers that made me feel different than everybody else that it wasn't, there wasn't a common ground to connect with. And so that was just another layer to it of my mom does astrology and she does tarot and everyone else is like, oh, we go to church. We're Catholic. And I'm like, okay. Like I, it just, there was a miss, there wasn't a connection there. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, I kept it hidden, even though my husband from a tiny town in Tennessee always knew (laughs) my mom did his chart early on in our relationship. Um, He knew that aspect of me, but a lot of other people, unless you're really close, just didn't. I kept it close to me. And then finally I got to the point in my own healing journey that I was like, screw this. Like I'm going to be authentically me. And that means sharing these aspects, no matter how weird they may be Mm -hmm. or how taboo or whatever, even being in this small town and kind of in the Bible belt, I guess, um, really just embraced allowing that to come through, um, has been a big part of my journey. I mean, it is like, there's a lot of people that still like, I tell them that I do Reiki or energy healing and they look at you like you have 10 heads. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, yep, well, that's where we are. <laughs> can and, you, oh, I was going to say, can you define and explain what Reiki is? So Reiki oh, yeah. is <laughs> therapeutic touch. I mean, it is literally, it is a form of energy healing. It is, I open myself up to be a channel of love and light and I channel that through my body to give it to yours. Um, and Reiki sessions with different people, um, look different. I mean, one practitioner to another. Mine are very intuitive. I get 
information about what is maybe blocking your chakras or what is maybe currently like really weighing heavy on your mind. Um, and then I share that with you at the end. And a lot of people then just are like, well, how the hell do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. Your body told me. It's just information that I receive. I hear words or see pictures and then I share that. I don't know. Just going back to what you said, Caitlin, because you said when you don't understand something, you get really curious. And similar to how like even listening to Peyton's story about when she says like, I didn't share this part of my life, which was a massive part of my life because there wasn't safety in doing mm -hmm, so. Mm -hmm. And so in, in all going back to, again, what you said about being curious, like that's not often the experience of the human perspective, mind, body. It's when we don't understand something, we have a lot of different ways of coping. And one of those one of those ways is to just kind of reject it and to move forward or mm -hmm. to judge it because if it doesn't make sense and it's not fitting into this box of safety that our own life experiences have cultivated, it doesn't feel actually safe to open ourselves up to it. And so there's yeah. so many layers there. So for for you to even have the access to the curiosity says a lot. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. When I yes, you said that perfectly. And I try to intentionally be that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't think that's more like people should. Just a um like it's not like a supernatural thing. Sure. Yeah. It's like there's an immediate response and then it's like, but why do mm -hmm. I feel that way? Or what yeah. more is here? You know, I always love to ask questions yes. to dive deeper before I make any sort of assumption. Or yeah. Judgment. Or opinion yeah. or anything like that. And even after that curiosity comes and you ask all those questions, even if it doesn't align with my beliefs, right. great. Right. I can still love you as a human exactly. and I can still right. coexist with you mm -hmm. and all of these things. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I think it's hard sometimes to separate a person from their beliefs or their, you know, all of these things. Yes. Yeah, right. And right. I think that that's what I love about us so much is mm -hmm. I do not identify as a Christian and you do. And it is extremely important to you at the core of who you are. Yeah. And I love that about you. And it mm -hmm. also is not necessarily what I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. And I don't feel like I can't talk about it. Exactly. In her presence. Safety yes. within your yeah. friendship. Yes. Absolutely. That's huge. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can say, well, this is what I believe and this is what I think. Or I'm going to do this and I'll always explain it to you because I think this or yeah. I believe this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it is important for mm -hmm. people, no matter what you believe, to be able to say that vocally absolutely so, yes yeah I completely agree and it is just a part of us like yes this is my work and I am so passionate about it and uh by the way I think it's like the thread that pulls Peyton and I's work together because we actually do we do different modalities but the root of the modality or the root of our work kind of pairs beautifully together yeah they intermingle <clears throat> yes but it is the idea that like this is just a part of my experience my work it's not who I am mm -hmm. I have a lot of different things about me that we would have hours to we would need hours to you know, <laughs> yeah pull off together we have but. hours I was gonna say we call these our therapy sessions so yes yes, yes. yes. quite frequently so you can what tell us about your past? Because you said you yeah. were, you hadn't grown up that way at all. So oh no. <laughs> so tell, tell us about your past and history with all of this. Gosh, where do I begin? Um, you know, I I feel like like looking back now that I'm here uh, doing this work that it makes sense. But I never would have thought that I'd be doing this work. Um, I guess I always. How do I? I'm so I care so much about language. Um, 
I'm the same way. <laughs> she does. That's I, why it's I like really to edit. a big. <laughs> I have always been a really highly sensitive human to the point where, in my experience, I felt really misunderstood. Um, things impacted me that just didn't seem to like touch other people. Uh, and so, gosh, I'm feeling myself get a little quivery. Um, mm. Lots of life had happened. Uh, and ultimately, though, I had acquired my master's in community mental health and school counseling, began working as a school counselor and then had um, children and just had a very difficult time kind of coming back into the world uh, because motherhood was 100% like where I was putting all of my energy, which is very uh, relatable. It's an all-encompassing season. <laughs> and um, I had kind of dabbled in like doula work during that time, but then I kept getting pregnant and uh, my partner's military. So there just wasn't a lot of space for me to fully dive in. Uh, and then we came here to the Pines and life just happened majorly. And I'll just say that. And it kind of was this like kind of an open door moment in my life where uh, I feel like I was truly shaken by the universe, by the mother, by God, goddess, source, whomever you relate to being like, all right, Caitlin, like there's more for you and it's going to require you to really like dive super deep into the parts of you that you've maybe not wanted to go for a long time, but here you are and you have that choice. And so I did it. And I, um, at the time was kind of like a child in Montessori whose like mind is open to learning and receiving. And I just went for it. I received therapy. I've been in therapy all of my life. Um, but I got a coach. I was in a beautiful coaching container of women. Um, and then I laid on the floor and took a breathwork class with my partner, and it truly was the most vulnerable, most powerful experience of my life outside of giving birth. Um, and it just was a quick like pathway after that. I received several more breathwork classes and then went on to take the training. And then from there uh, was like, yes, yes, yes. It was just like a full body yes to this work, to this idea that like everything that we um, – Everything that we experience kind of keeps in our body before our mind can even make meaning of it. And that idea just kind of led me to want more trainings, but more experience. And so I stayed in the coaching containers and then I uh, trained with something called the Embody Lab, which is a really amazing resource that you don't have to be a therapist or a practitioner or, a, you know, have a degree. You can have a desire uh, to seek some extra support or training. And I did a nine-month integrative somatic trauma therapy certification. And then again, I'm. it just kind of led me to spinal energetics. And it's just been this like massive open door for my experience. I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's, and it I is. can tell that it's been like a really emotional mm -hmm. journey for you. Yeah. You say the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really big, powerful, all-encompassing statement. But what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. That's a good one for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the work. Gosh, I think that for me, Caitlin, um, it means this idea of kind of constantly coming back to your body, coming back to meet yourself, uh, being massively curious about like, what is this experience? What's happening in my body in reaction to this event or to this conversation? Um, where am I showing up 
in ways that feels old or unfamiliar. Like a lot of it is um, inner child work. A lot of it is parts work. I don't like to think of ourselves as we are whole, but there's, we are like, there's a ton of parts to ourselves. So like what part of me is coming into play at the table that, um, what does she need or what, what is she afraid of? Um, is constant though. It's an evolution. I just wrote about it. The idea that like we're healed is, it's a little bit frustrating to be because yeah. I think it puts so much pressure on us to get it right and to be perfect. And yes, parts of us in this process of the work, uh, become more aware and that's huge so that we can respond to our life and not react to it. But at the end of the day, uh, the work of being alive is to get curious and to constantly come back to ourselves, to turn towards the parts of us that we're wanting to avoid because they were maybe not safe to be in those, uh, places, both in our body and our minds when we were younger. Mm -hmm. I could literally talk about it. For <laughs> <laughs> Told you that was a good one for her. Yeah. I always, that's like one of my quotes. I always say, let's respond, not react. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, people don't take the time to just stop. No. Mm -mm. Like, I, I mean, I can tell you as, as business owners, I'm sure you get that too. You get a quick spur of the moment email or phone call. And they're like, I have to talk to somebody right now. And it's like a mm -hmm. lot of times I don't even return the phone call till the next day intentionally yeah. Yes. Yeah. so that these people can just take the time. Yes. I'm going to force them yes. to take the time mm -hmm. so that we can have a reasonable conversation yeah. about this. That's really powerful so, to rewrite the urgency that is our culture right now too. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And most of the things are not that urgent. No. I mean, at least in my field <laughs> unless like no unless you're like bleeding out losing right, a limb sure. I mean <laughs> right like if we were sitting here as surgeons or something yes. like okay yes. let's react yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. yes but they are trying to respond mm -hmm. through that yes but yeah it's amazing I think more people definitely need to take time and I remember us having all these conversations too because you're yes. like I don't know. I don't really want to commit to this. I don't really want to commit to <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> She's like, I really want to do this, but I don't know if I want to do that. But yeah. So, so you guys know each other through. Through Encore. But well, also Kid also School, right? Ladybug Farm. Ladybug yes. Farm, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Because, gosh, three, four years ago, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Oof, yeah were Sarah, you were kind of witnessing me right in the moment, in the midst of like the delta of my life. And I didn't even, you didn't even know it. But I was also pretty... <laughs> there at that time. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. and that's when you're going through those transitions, that's a crazy time. Mm -hmm. And, and I respect what you did too, because I've, I've kind of mimicked that, like, no, we're not signing up for all these things. We're yes. not doing all these things. We're going to create margins mm -hmm. in our life mm -hmm. so that we can enjoy our time as a family, mm -hmm. figure out how we're going to live our day to day. And mm -hmm all of those things. I remember us having those yes. conversations yes. and I respected that because so many people today are like, I'm going to put my kids in five things every single night of the week. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's just teaching us that, that don't you think it's like this idea of like urgency. this and this yeah. fear of missing out. Like yeah. it's a really pervasive thread and I'm privy to it too. I mean, you'll get like, you just sign my son up for whatever dance, uh, baseball, and it's just this like slippery slope where it just was just a practice and then a game. And then all of a sudden it's this massive competition team. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, he really enjoys this. But like, does our family have capacity for this? And also 
why why all of it right now? Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. a balance that I constantly am having mm-hmm. a conversation with my partner to figure out like what's best for the family. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes when you go down that field of like all the competition, there's a lot of value and stuff you can learn from competition. But mm-hmm. sometimes when you go down that pathway, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. takes some of the joy out of it. Yes. So that's that's why we personally aren't competition studio. For but sure. I think there are a lot of things you can learn from. Mm-hmm healthy things you can learn from Agreed. competition. Yeah. It's the but balance yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely relate to all of this almost in the moment <laughs> of only having two children that want to do multiple things with multiple interests mm-hmm. and that I want to help them cultivate these interests. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm having this like push pull of like, I only have this many years left with you here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm really feeling that with Logan turning 13 and yeah. watching him change literally before my eyes and feeling like I want you to grow and be in these things that you love. And also I want to keep you as close as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All while knowing that in so many cultures, mm-hmm. When you turn 12 or 13 as a boy, you are like given off to the men and the men are then there to raise you. And mama's time is over. And I feel that very strongly right now Mm -hmm. is like, okay, well, I've done the nurturing and the loving and the caring and, you know, poured my heart and soul into you. And you are an absolute tethered part of me. And also now I pass you along to this incredible man. It gives me chills because Mm -hmm. it's like, ugh. Yeah, dang it. Uh, Because Luke just came back from Tennessee. He's been gone for three years. You know, I say just. He's been home for a year. Wow. But for him to come back at this pivotal moment in our lives where, like, Logan and yes, Molly and I need Mm -hmm. him, but Logan needs him is just this incredible feeling of, like, no, he is here. And almost like this ceremonial, like, I give him to you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know? And so it's like, no, I, I want you to learn all these things from our nuclear family before we send you out into this crazy world where you do feel like things are urgent mm-hmm. and you're scrolling and, you know, he wants social media and we're like, nope, um, you can't even have access to the internet, actually. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, just all these things yes. of like, yeah. everything is trying to steal your attention yes. and create this foggy world that is not the truth yeah it's giving you the joneses for no reason (sighs) yes so i feel everything that you guys are talking about i'm like oh no am i gonna start to cry just sitting here (laughs) listening (laughs) well i was gonna say part of it's really hard in a military town too because you know especially for like my husband and my teenage boy who's getting ready to turn 16 he was gone you know until I don't know, probably until he was like 12 or 13, like completely gone. Mm -hmm. Um, He was home a little bit more from like ages seven to 12, but still at least 50% of the time. I resonate with that a lot. We're at nine right now. And my husband's just shifted the last couple of years into being home a a bit more. Yeah. (laughs) How many more years left do you guys have until retirement? Uh I mean, anywhere from two to eight. I don't know. He technically could retire in like two years. Okay. To the month from now. But he is not fully ready to hang up his hat, maybe. He's trying a Hail Mary pass. Mm -hmm. And if he gets that, then probably five more years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and it's hard because now we have younger ones. So Mm -hmm. it's, 
good and bad to see the difference mm-hmm. because there's he has such a connection to our little ones now because he's yeah. been there yeah um and not had these gaps of like all the bonding and everything but yeah it was hard for us to basically say what you're saying you know or do what you were saying turn him over mm-hmm. when it's like they have to first yeah. figure out yeah this bond yeah. <laughs> and mutual respect for each other yeah. and, and they're like clones like it's like (laughs) yeah so yeah my husband gets so frustrated he's like why are you doing that i know why you're doing that exactly yeah Yeah. stop it (laughs) and caitlin when you were saying like it sounded like you were holding duality of like part of me really wants to again here i am look at that part of me can't help it it's my inherent yeah like yes but you were feeling grief a little bit about the idea that there's sort of this new season shift with your relationship with your son and then also um, like excitement and, and, and like, okay, here we are, like kind of moving with what seems to be what his needs are. And I think that is ex- like a very micro little extraction of what so much of it's all about is that it's so complex and layered all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of duality that we all have to hold all the time. I yes. think I think that that is exactly I was like sitting here like, yes, because <laughs> that is how I sum up motherhood mm-hmm. is it is this constant flow of celebration and joy mixed with this underlying of grief mm-hmm. and this feeling of letting go because, you know, we look at our children's pictures or videos of them at two and you're like, Oh, I just want to squeeze this little baby. And here you are in front of me going on a date, you know? And it's like, oh God, how do I long for that experience back and also be so joyful for who you are? Mm-hmm. It is this wild experience. Well, I think it has to be directly about capacity, which is, like, again, I want Peyton to share about her her works, but like the, again, the premise of, I would say both of our works really, is to create enough safety within the people's bodies and hearts that we're offering these uh, modalities for that they have an experience or opportunity to spill over because ultimately like, yes, spinal energetics is phenomenal. I'm so passionate about it. I love it. So is breath Can you share a little bit about it? Yeah. Sure. Don't let me come back to that because I will forget about it. It will go away. (laughs) Write it down. (laughs) Um, You asked about spinal energetics. Yeah. You got to share that. Spinal energetics uh, was, I found it through a friend of mine uh, who trained in breath work with me he lived in Australia, so our breathwork training uh, was all virtual. This was in 2021. Um, and then I noticed that he was pairing breathwork with spinal energetics. And I asked him, I was like, what is that? Like, what is happening in this experience of, you know, you witness spinal energetics through, you know, a reel on Instagram and people inherently, myself included, is like, that looks like puppetry. Like, it looks magic. Like, it can't be real. <laughs> the body, the people must know yes. what's happening. That Maybe is explain the, what it looks like, though. Because well, some people don't know okay, so, what it is at all. <clears throat> in the, uh, let me just bring it into your imagery, imagery then. Someone is lying on a bed face down and someone is kind of above them. And they're moving their hands. And as they're moving, they're not touching them. Their body is moving with their with, – with, it looks like it's synchronized. Not yeah. always, by the way, because I want to 
anchor in the point that the movement is not the point, but oftentimes that is sort of the, uh, process. Anyways, um, I reached out to him and I was like, what is this? Uh, and he said, it's this, uh, newer modality that I was trained in fast forward. Uh, it was not in the United States at the time. So I waited. And then just this past January, uh, found out that they were coming to LA, uh, to train. And, and I was like, looked, I looked to my partner and said, I'm going to try, I'm going to what is it? Uh, fill out an application. I filled out an application and I'm proud to say that I was one of 50 selected to go to Los Angeles to train with Dr. Sarah Jane, whose um, training is in, she's a chiropractor and a counselor and years and years and years of experience. And uh, this training was, you walked into the room and it was just one of those, again, like another little open door moment of like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. This isn't just a cool training. This is going to change my life. And, uh, okay. Your question, what is it? Spinal energetics is a modality that's rooted in Western and Eastern philosophy. So it's really neat and that it pulls from both in that we actually work with the spine. So the spine, uh, encases, or rather the vagus nerve encases the spine. Am I saying that right? It's, it's the vagus nerve wraps around the actual spine. So what we do uh, in this modality is we do a chiropractic assessment to see on the body where the highest form of tension is held. So we, har- we all carry tension. Uh, and this tension is held in our bodies. It changes at different times, sometimes without our even knowing. We're just holding. Our, it affects our posture. It affects our body, it affects so many things. Um, but this tension doesn't always arrive from like brute force alone, like meaning we didn't just get an injury to our neck and that's why we're holding. It's, it's happening because of the stress patterns, uh, the ways in which we're, we're coping that are probably, we've been doing that for years and years and years. So once we identify where on the body, the spine is, could be in the upper cervical, could be in the thoracic spine or the sacrum, we then, uh, you'll feel the client will feel me or the practitioner kind of doing this very specific and intentional process to kind of identify the tension points, but then work with the like, I'm using technical terms, but meninges, it's just nerves. We all feel them. We're sensitive to them. We just connect. We just connect with the body. I have an intention to connect with the body and I watch the body respond. And half the time, it's just about deepening in the breath for the client, just to see where their body is holding. If they breathe, you can see where on the back body their breath is coherent or moving or fluid or it stops. You will often see someone's breath from their throat and then kind of skip their whole top back and then you'll see it pick up again on the back. So anyways, um, we're looking for resonance and we're kind of also touching into their energetic level. And what I mean by that is we all have a field of energy. We are energy. It's not a scary term. It just seems wooey. Well, it's but like The cup is mm-hmm, energy. Right? The coffee is energy. Yeah. We're feeling energy right yeah. now together. Yes, it is science. Mm-hmm. Energy is science, I believe. Yes. yes. <laughs> Some people don't though. Yeah, Some yeah, people yeah. are like, no, that's not real. Yeah. But you can use the word sensation too. It's just about like, I understand understand language creates safety, but we're working with the physical body. So like the physical energetic layer, which is just like the body itself. And then the emotional layer, the mental layer, the uh, spiritual layer, and then the personal soul. And 
all I'm doing as the practitioner is kind of just like feeling into which layer of the body uh, is the most richest. And then we're using that energy to begin unwinding the tension, which again, as I'm speaking this, it feels like you're like, well, I still don't understand. It's because it's not meant to. Like in the moment of feeling misunderstood, you may feel a little moment of like, oh, that didn't fit right, like sit right. But it's happening so quickly that why don't we use the same energy that we got the tension that like kind of attributed to the tension in the first place to support the unwinding and feel free to ask so many questions, but the experience of the client is usually really emotive. Um, or it's just waking up their intelligence, like the same intelligence that we yawn, uh, their body will start to like move a little bit or feel into a space in their body that they may not have been connected to. And how do you create that? You said primarily through breath, but mm-hmm. do you also have specific like verbiage and language that you use or fun noises? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking that. Yeah. So, so much of this modality is, uh, about creating a new language for the body to find safety in. So a way that I do that is I play music in my sessions to kind of fill the space of the cabin. It makes the people feel a little more held, but also I use very specific breath noises. So (laughs) I will, uh, all my breath noises are individual. Like our training, it was very clear that sound was necessary. And so but we are supposed to come up with that ourselves. Like what feels right when you're trying to activate versus you're trying to lengthen versus you're trying to bring together, like whatever your intention is, um, which goes more into like the nuance of the modality. So yeah, I tell that to people so that they're not completely thrown off. Maybe when do like, one example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hear one. All right. So um, let's see. If I am wanting to activate or connect to something, like if I feel like I'm – holding the energy uh, on their tension point, and I'm ready to kind of check their layers, then I might make this sound like that. Okay. And so yeah. they'll, 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 they'll feel it, but they don't know, they don't need to know the context. And that's the coolest part about spinal energetics is that you may move and you may cry, but you don't actually need to know why because the body is doing the work. Mm-hmm. So I equate this to, and I've never experienced spinal energetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the closest thing that I have experienced the experience you're talking about (laughs) is in yoga Mm -hmm. and, um, having like my first yoga experience being so extremely emotional Mm -hmm. where I just was just bawling. Yeah. And I looked at the instructor who happened to be my brother's girlfriend at the time. This is many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. It's like maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago. Maybe a little bit less. <laughs> um, but I looked at her and I was like, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> you know, and and I knew there were a lot of things going on in my life and that I was carrying all this stuff around. But in for some reason, during that whole practice, yes. I, it all came out. And yes. I don't understand why. Yep. I don't know how that all makes sense mm-hmm. or what was going on. But there I was. You so, made space to yes. cope with it. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Like you took time and made space for right. that. And I think people can experience it in, in different ways. Like for, like you said, like if I'm a Christian for me at church, like mm-hmm. during the worship music, yeah. mm-hmm. that's what speaks to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not there texting on my phone. I'm mm-hmm. not there doing anything else. You know, my kids are in their classes getting, yeah. you know, 
their experience and everything as well. And so it's just taking that time to connect how you're connecting. It's it. Right. And so like for me, like when you say a voice, like to me, that's not weird. Cause for me, I believe that when I hear a voice, it's the Holy spirit speaking to me or God Mm -hmm. speaking to me and, and guiding me through Mm -hmm. life. So I don't think it's that disconnected. It's just a matter of what people believe Mm -hmm. the source is, if that makes sense. That's why I love having conversations like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because so often we can meet all in this middle ground right here where Mm -hmm. it's not polarized. It's like we are so much more like each other Mm -hmm. than we think we are. We just experience our own truth of what is happening in our reality. Maybe a little bit different, but it's all centered around the same type of you know, intentions and feelings and experiences and all of that stuff. It really comes down to perception. I mean, we're all wearing different lenses that are layered and layered and layers of our life that has cultivated the perception that we see. Mm -hmm. And that is what creates kind of the reality you're seeing. So yes, you were raised in church or maybe you weren't and you found it later on, but that's where you feel that connection. I was obviously raised different and I find that connection, but I can still love you the same. And we can find that middle ground and you have the Holy Spirit speak to you and I have maybe my spirit guides and that's how I feel I interpret it. And it's beautiful because we can all just be together and still see that and see that we're all just looking through slightly different lenses. Mm -hmm. So talk about some of your work that you do since we've heard oh, about okay. Caitlin and spinal energetics. <laughs> and- um, okay. So I do Reiki, which I already touched on. Um, I also do past life regressions, which again are a little polarizing because some people are like, are you allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because that is a part of my vocabulary. Um, so some people are like, what the fuck? You only live one life. Once you die, you die. Sure. Um, again, I was raised different. I, uh, Even from a young age, when I was like five years old, I saw an old lady in my mom's bathroom when I was taking a bath, scared the shit out of me. Um, That was the first time you had ever experienced anything? Yes. And I I remember. Yes. And I could still, honestly, if I could draw, like if I was a good artist, I could draw her to this day. She had long silver hair. She was in like a nightgown. And I just remember screaming for my mom. My mom does not remember me being that scared about it. But I do remember distinctly like, girlfriend, you need to be in your bedroom when I am in the bath at all times now because I was nervous. Um, So I kind of like turned it off then. But my mom obviously raised me with the thought process of like... You never saw her again? I'm so... No, I did. I did. Even at 16, this was so creepy. One time I was blow drying my hair in my mom's bathroom. No one else was home. I thought that I... Like I was just like not looking. I have a shit ton of hair. So like I was not looking in the mirror. I was just literally going like (laughs) this. And then I thought maybe my brother came home and like put his chin on my shoulder to like look at me in the mirror. And so I quickly just looked at my shoulder and no one was there. So I turned the blow dryer off and I literally left. I drove to my best friend's house, creeped out. But I never physically saw her. I just felt her a couple times. But it wasn't a good feeling. It was a scary feeling because I knew she wasn't in flesh and bone. Uh Um, But even my bedroom shared that bathroom wall, actually. And I said something to my dad when I was a bit older, in my teens or something. He's like, well, you know when the sink turns on in the middle of the night? And at that point, I stayed up late. So I would hear the sink turn on. And I was like, who the fuck washes their hands in the middle of the night? Like, who actually, when they go to the bathroom, washes their hands in the middle of the night? Like, you just don't. And I remember thinking that was weird. And my dad was like, no, the sink just turns on. Like, I get up and turn it off. And I was like, 
Oh, so she was still there, just like hanging out. My mom's cool with her. I mean, she's in her bathroom. Like they still live in the same house. Yeah. So anyways, I was always, I, I just always believed in past lives. I always found them fascinating. I would read stories about it or watch shows about it. So I, um, while doing another hypnosis training called rapid resolution therapy, I decided to also take a training for past life regressions. I've had my own past life regressions. I've had probably three at this point, um, and have found them just to be so fascinating. And there is a, a reality or like an experience that you have when you receive one that you can't deny is different than just a dream. Um, even though one of the ones I had, uh, was when my son was a year old, he's nine now to this day, all of the images that I saw and felt and sensations I experienced during that past life regression, I still can go right back to, I, the the images haven't waned. Like even some of those really real dreams that you have that stick with you for a little while, they eventually leave. This just hasn't, it's still there. I still have the memories of it. So I have started doing past life regressions, which for those that believe in it, it is very therapeutic because you are, you're taken to want a past life or past lives that are very pivotal to understand for this lifetime, whether it is trauma that maybe you're carrying, phobias that you're carrying, kind of just maybe even like low self-worth, or you don't understand why you keep ending up in the same type of relationship dynamic. And it's because there's lessons there for you that could be carried over from past life trauma. A lot of relationships I have found in doing past life regressions, the relationships that you have really sticky dynamics with in this lifetime usually have kind of unresolved trauma from a past life or a different dynamic. Um, Even with my daughter, from day one, I have always called her sister. And girlfriend thinks that she is my sister. She does not think that I am her mom. She never has. Like, she challenges me every freaking day. Um, and I I think it just became like a subconscious thing where I called her sister. People probably like in the grocery store when I'm like, come on, sister. They're like, the hell? Like, <laughs> she's not your sister. I'm like, not like she's my daughter, but she, she is sister at the same time. And I do in my beliefs, I think that she was a sister in a past life. I haven't found that past life yet. Um, but I think that she also remembers that dynamic <laughs> for can sure. I, can I just say something? Yes. I'm listening to you talk and I'm realizing that you said something about like, even if you don't believe in it. And I would just say to people who are listening, like it's not about needing to actually believe in it too. That's actually the old conditioning that it needs to make sense in our mind. But like, yeah. What Peyton has opened up for me even is the idea of trusting the voices within ourselves because Mm -hmm. collectively that's not the safety that we've experienced. It's, it's much more about intellectualizing and making it make sense and your work and your ability to bring it forward is actually just supporting a little bit of a balance of like, Hey, you know, that guttural feeling that you have, let's, let's pause, let's turn towards that part, the intuition and all of the the things that you receive. Um, it just, yeah, it just brings me to that like left side of my body. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we definitely are not generally raised in this society to, listen to our intuition, to be taught that that is a thing to listen to um, or even honor. It's sometimes even you're told that you're crazy if you hear a voice in your head. So it's it's hard because people do want to feel like they have to 
be approved to believe in something or that it's okay to believe in it and to, they have a hard time just trusting what's there. Um, so it's just an experience that is, I think, fun for a lot of people to kind of dive into and be open to, to see what's there for them. So, yeah. So when you say past life, just so there's clarification, do you mean stuff that's happened in different seasons of one person's life or a completely different life? Both. And do you believe it's all always that someone was previously a person? Um, so I don't necessarily always believe that, uh, everyone was a person because I actually had an experience with, um, a client who a very dear relative of theirs showed up as their dear dog in a past life, um, which I was taken back by, uh, but she felt it to her core that that was her, that, that dog had the soul of the person in this lifetime that she was very connected to, um, So, but we can actually go back when we, when we do the hypnosis and bring you deeper and deeper into it, we are actually going back to other pivotal times in this lifetime. So if there was something big that happened at 10 years old or something to process there, we do go back there first. Um, And for some people, that's all we go back to is current life situations that we are trying to kind of give a new perspective to or allow them to kind of heal the charge that is still there and still lingering. And when you do the past life regressions and you can see different relationship dynamics, um, I think that also allows the charge to kind of be released or rewritten so it's not so intense anymore. Um, A lot of times it seems to be that the relationships are with the parents and children roles. And I believe that's because we have soul families that we continually come back to and we reconnect with over and over again in different roles. Meaning my husband in a past life could have been my grandfather or could have been my son or X, Y, and Z, all of these different dynamics that we could have had. And I believe that we're connecting that way because we are here to teach each other lessons. It's all for our soul's evolution. And I think that's one of the most important things about life in general is seeing that there's an evolution here for you and that all of these relationships are supporting that, even the really hard ones, even the really shitty ones, even the ones that are like, how can this be for my benefit? Mm -hmm. And I think that all of our, all of the modalities we offer can help you to see that and, and to, to maybe start believing it and trusting it. Trusting, trusting. Yes. Yeah. So how does the process work for you guys? So if you're working with a client and let's say you're doing spinal energetics mm-hmm. are you like I think you should also go see <laughs> yeah. KN for this and <laughs> vice versa how do you guys balance all of that within we definitely the intermingle our yeah. clients kind of shuffle around too yeah we care very much about the intention of the partnership in that also like the creation of it um, I'm gonna answer that question but we share the space of the cabin. So like three days, one week, I have access to, to supporting clients and then Peyton has it two days. So we have like very inherent edges to our work-life balance. But mm-hmm. she, <laughs> Peyton is supportive of breathwork at the cabin. She supports clients with Reiki while I teach breathwork. So we get to actually have an offering together. But then just by nature of the cabins, um, just how we're kind of, social, I guess with social media and that we are linked together, but we're also separate, which I appreciate because they complement each other. Mm -hmm. Um, 
really well and they're very different but well and Caitlin does also offer Reiki Mm -hmm. um but her main pillar is spinal energetics and Mm -hmm. breath work Mm -hmm. at this point Mm -hmm. until there's another modality (laughs) because that's kind of the nature of both of us something that I also really care about deeply and I'll I'll say her name. Hopefully it's okay. I'm sure it is. But Lindsay Foreman is a local functional nurse practitioner in the area. And I support her clients uh, through somatic coaching. And I feel really strongly about that just because she does brilliant work with supporting the systems of the bodies like thyroid and hormones. And she cares for them in such like magnificent ways that unfortunately, well, it's just a very different approach. Um, and she kind of gets that like the root of that, those systems sort of giving a lot of feedback that they're not maybe working for the, for the body is rooted in the nervous system. And mm-hmm. so it just, I feel really honored that she has that lens and that she's asked me to kind of come on. Didn't we just separate from the yeah. cabin? Okay. But I was going to say, yeah. wasn't she there Wednesday? She came to boss giving on, uh, went last yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm yeah. only sharing that just because I think that like every again it's just all the same thread it's about the work it's about kind of connecting which is what you said Sarah too which I think yes these modalities we're passionate about but again you found that space in your yoga practice Mm -hmm. where your body felt safe you're like what is happening what is happening for you Caitlin is that you laid down and you allowed your body to slow down enough for it to receive itself. And of course you were emotive because your emotional body had stuff to release. But um, I do think yeah. we need to touch on breath work though. Mm. <laughs> because <laughs> if you're good with that. Because it's I just. I love breath work. <laughs> okay, you've done it. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Have you done it, Caitlin? <laughs> I haven't. Oh, it is. I mean, again, like I said in the beginning, it's how I met Caitlin. And it, I had no idea what it was. I had heard of Wim Hof before and like mm-hmm. his breathing before you go into the ice and all yeah. that. I I explored that. Um but I had no idea what to expect. And I and I know we do have a lot of repeat clients that come, but we also do have people that are like, I have no idea what this is. My girlfriend told me to come. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And it is just, it is a modality I don't think I will ever step away from because it is just so profound. And it's beautiful because you don't even have to, just like when you said in yoga, like you don't know why you were crying, but you were able to have that release. So often that is exactly the experience that people have at breathwork. They have no idea what they're releasing and it doesn't matter. You don't have to identify it for it to actually move through you. Mm -hmm. And Caitlin and I are there to support with Reiki, with touch, with just helping you to feel held in that space. And I think that's what we love about the cabin is there's only 12 people that can be in there during a breathwork class. So it's small and it's intimate and it's powerful. It becomes like this portal opens up in that space and it is, I don't know, you just go somewhere else. It's, it's incredible. But Caitlin can kind of explain how it actually works. <laughs> Does that feel right? Yeah. We'll talk about Please, breathwork. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I had to shove it in. It's just so good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, by the way, a lot of the feedback that I get about, like from the community about this work is fear of like, oh, that's intense, Caitlin. Like I, I see your videos, like I don't know if I belong there or like I'm not sure that that's for me. And again, this is, re- I want to honor that because mm-hmm. to even just the idea of like, how, how are you? Great. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Like the idea of just like uh, allowing yourself to be witnessed in your true experience is so f- still far 
from safety for so many people. So the idea of going and laying down on the floor and breathing uh, to music next to someone else that you may not know, Mm -hmm. I want to just let you know that I recognize how incredibly vulnerable that is and how new and unfamiliar it is. So Mm -hmm. yes, while I'm super passionate about the work, Uh, And I will say to you like, well, when is a good time? Because like we'll never make time if it's not a good time. Right. I also don't even want to go to therapy. Correct. To figure themselves out. Yes. Or Mm -hmm. work out or Mm -hmm. go to the doctor. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's true. But even to look at your innermost dark places inside of yourself is the scariest thing that you could possibly do you have to admit they're there yeah Yeah. I can equate it to I've done EMDR and therapy Mm -hmm. and that was a super trippy experience yeah I've never done psychedelics but Mm -hmm. I would imagine Mm -hmm. that it was a very similar experience Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) EMDR is a really powerful tool yeah yeah so I, I would imagine they're somewhat along the same lines yeah breathwork is this type of breathwork there's so many breathwork is a buzzword uh this this day and age which is good it's good news it's coming to the forefront and there's we use it all the time with our kids which I have lots of thoughts about that (laughs) um breathwork is amazing Mm, however it matters very much the approach (laughs) if we're going to a child in the middle of a tantrum and saying just breathe oh no oh they're going to be like, well, no, no, now I'm going to hold my right breath. You, <laughs> you're not witnessing my actual experience. I'm going to, they're going to contract. So I had a breathwork coach. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you that's off. Okay. I want you to keep talking about it. Um, she said the words we need to tell our kids is exhale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She said they're holding it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just need to tell them exhale. Yeah. Or you breathe. Yes. Because that's actually the opportunity. You have a choice then to regulate in that place. And it's really hard. Mm -hmm. I am not an expert because I'm human, but it is a choice where we get to say, I'm noticing this is really revving me up right now. And also them. So we're both dysregulated. Mm -hmm. So in order for them to regulate, we actually have to co-regulate and we have to be the ones to breathe and it's a whole nother topic. Whole nother but, topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, this particular type of breathwork, though, is uh, I will credit it to the most magnificent and marvelous Jason and Maura Amoroso, who are my teachers in Revelation Breathwork. And they were not only my teachers in this training, but I stayed with Maura for coaching container for a year and a half. A magnificent human. Um, perhaps we could like credit them to this uh, sure. podcast. But this breathwork. Uh, process is uh, very different than like uh, ujjayi breath in yoga or a calming like five seven eight where we're inhaling for five holding for seven exhaling for eight magnificently resourceful breath but that's uh doing different intention where it's trying to bring us to the more homeostasis we're trying to actually ignite or invite in the parasympathetic nervous response revelation breath work is doing the opposite actually so I'll just do my little spiel. 99% of the day, we want to be breathing through our nose um, because that does signal that response. Even if we're in a held stress response, we want to be like kind of bringing the body back down. In Revelation Breathwork, we lie on the floor and you're invited to breathe in through your mouth. So it's an inhale through your belly, an inhale through your chest, and an exhale through your mouth, all through your mouth. And what this does is gives the body... um, it sort of mimics the sensation of being at your edge or feeling like you're in overwhelm. 
And the beautiful invitation and the practice is to stay with yourself. Because so often when we're in that place of overwhelm, we do the thing that we do where we move faster, we move towards whatever we're doing really, really fast, or we freeze, or we, you know, it's the similar fight, flight, freeze, fawn experience uh, that I think many people, perhaps there's some keyword there, but here we get to stay with ourselves. And the music is a really big part of the class as it elicits memory and emotions and you're breathing, your body's giving you all these sensations. And unlike the ability of like a deer, they freeze and then they shake off and they go on. Our bodies don't have that capacity. So we have to sort of support it differently. And it's really just about feeling. We just get to feel where we weren't able to, and we stay with ourselves through that feeling so that we can move through and not over. So it's really freaking, freaking awesome. It is. (laughs) It freaking is. It really, really is. It is so powerful. I have some of my most profound moments Mm -hmm. laying there. Just breathing. Yeah. Just breathing a little different, but. Well, and here in the town of Southern Pines, like I started this two years ago and one person came, three people came, no one came, four people came. And over time, people started to really come just because they kind of, I had no idea. This was really profound, but you're not alone when you come for the first time. Mm-hmm. Everyone who I've facilitated breathwork for, it was their first time at one point. And so uh, I just, yeah, I welcome. If there's a part of you that's listening, that's like, I'm intrigued, but I'm scared. I want you to know that I see you. And uh, also uh, our greatest intention is to provide a feeling of safety when mm-hmm. you arrive. Yeah. But it's also something you can take with you. That's yes. right. Yes. yes. Right. So mm-hmm. it's something they're not just getting in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. We took a breathwork class on our Operation Healing Forces trip. Amazing. Beautiful. So like using it for, you know, I think for that you have had to be special operations soldier with, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you, if PTSD is like a requirement for it, but they all had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, learning how to work through everything with breath work. So we had a breath work class and like a sleep class and all of that. How wonderful is that? Right. And, um, I got to, I use it every night because I wake up or one of my kids wakes me up every single night. And then I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yes. And I can't stop. And so I have to, I go back to that. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. Let me do all the breathing I'm supposed to do until I can fall back asleep. And mm-hmm. it's got it gets shorter, shorter, and shorter. Amazing. Every single time. It's your so. anchor. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And I love the whole idea of, you know, you don't have to necessarily even buy in to all of it to mm-hmm. say, you know, because you know, originally I was like, give me the science behind this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Like, give me the data, the research, mm-hmm. the peer-reviewed articles. Mm-hmm. And there is also so much power in a placebo effect because if you just show (laughs) Uh up and do the work, you will reap whatever benefit you're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be on a spectrum of wherever you're at, Mm -hmm. you know, so whether you are truly a hundred percent bought in or not, Mm -hmm. yes, it can still have benefits for you. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. I don't think we've seen a single person leave that hasn't seemed to have some sort of shift Mm -hmm. occur for them, Uh, whether it was small or whether it was massive. I mean, we've witnessed both. Um, And yes, it does. It doesn't matter. The fact that they gave themselves the time to 
to show up and experience it is what matters. That's like the first step to any of it. Yes. Your work is in session just by making the choice to go. Yes. Therefore, you have thought about it. You've resisted. You've felt the edge in your body where, again, like the idea that you want to know, Caitlin, is not isn't like that's most people that's my experience too it's like because we like to sort like our mind likes it to be organized and Mm -hmm. tidy and I just think it's can you get curious about it like Mm -hmm. the curiosity piece is the biggest part of the whole process it's like why am I feeling so resistant why what am I thinking about this where could that be coming from in my past what messages would I have witnessed in others and it's not about making it bad or judging it it's just being like huh that makes sense why this is feeling a little uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. and we want to resist that so much because it does feel so uncomfortable in our body Mm -hmm. yeah oftentimes when we feel these things or we have an experience that happens to us we lose a loved one we you know uh have a falling out with a friend whatever it is we Mm want to say distract distract. Mm -hmm. What can Mm -hmm. I do? I'm going to turn on this TV show. Mm -hmm. I'm going Mm -hmm. to, you Mm -hmm. know, scroll social media. I'm going to do whatever I can to resist the feeling that I have. And hopefully it'll go away after a long time. Yeah. I'll numb it out long (laughs) enough. It'll be gone. And what you resist persists. I am sitting here having like this biggest moment. And that's why I was crying Mm. a little bit earlier because you guys are like saying these things that I totally grew up with. Mm-hmm. Like if you were, my whole family will listen to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd be like, Caitlin, we've been saying it all along. <laughs> this is what my dad told us growing up. What you resist persists. Yeah. Like from the very time we were little. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, Peyton, about past life regression and your intuition and all of this stuff, I feel, and I've never recognized it, but feel so incredibly blessed that I grew up in the family that I did Mm -hmm. because, um, my dad, I can remember being very little on his lap and him saying, you know, that voice you hear in your head, that one that guides you in the the direction that Mm -hmm. you're supposed to go. That's your guardian angel. You Mm. have to listen to her. Yep. And I carried that with me wherever I went. And it may have not made sense sometimes, but I can remember being in situations where I felt like that guardian angel was telling me to turn around and go back home. And I didn't know why, but I was like, I'm going to listen to her. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what would have happened if I didn't. Yeah. Or I it's can... those moments then you find out like this terrible car accident. Oh, yeah. Sure. Or like, oh, my gosh. Or something. My life. A lot of times I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I didn't. There was never uh, any indication yeah. and of you what happened. That. You don't need the explanation. No, you I just have to trust. And it was because he said that to me from a very early age that but, I was like, yeah. Okay. So that gives me all the feels though, because I, I tell my kids that. I yeah. mean, <laughs> uh, my son really didn't want to go to his football game on his birthday uh, back in October. And <laughs> I was like, no, you're not letting your team down. Like we're going to go blah, blah, blah. Well, his sister broke his arm at the game. Oh. And he even said to me after he said, mom, I told you my spirit said we shouldn't go. Oh. <laughs> I was like, Okay. I was like, well, when you're old enough to like you be the deciding factor on if you listen to your spirit or not, he calls it his spirit. But I I tell the kids the same thing because thankfully, like you, I was raised with that too. Like my mom 
did a Reiki session on me when I was younger and she introduced me to my first spirit guide. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And whether we call her a guardian angel or a spirit guide or whatever, like I have these open conversations with my kids because I do want them to one day turn around because their inner voice says to, and it protects them from something. Yeah. It didn't protect his sister from a broken arm, but you know. (laughs) There are so many of us though that don't have access to that as a root, myself included. And so like, but witnessing you kind of tear up, Caitlin, just makes me feel um, how it's almost just like a remembering, but also how important it is in your life and how probably has a big part of why you're here doing this work that you and Sarah are doing together, which is so... um, I just feel really grateful to be a part of it today. So thank well, you. Well, and also though, Caitlin, like you get to be that root for your kids. Yes. So even though you didn't have it, you get to become it, which is really powerful. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you got to give yourself that credit. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's also a lot to carry. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to um, mm-hmm. just feel constantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It is. And I've only touched the very <laughs> surface level of it. Okay. Like I'm at the tip of the iceberg still. <laughs> it has required me to open up my own pathways for capacity, like receiving. So I crank up my own self-care practices uh, because... I need to. Um, but yeah, just a tiny little story. I went, I go see a craniosacral therapist locally and she was kind of moving on my body and they work specifically with like more of the nerves and the fascia more so than like the muscles. And I can't speak to it fully, but it's a really neat modality. And I'm lying there and she's like working on my left side. And then she moves over to my right and she's like, Oh, Oh, that's interesting. She doesn't say anything more than that. And I'm like, oh, she's like, do you feel that? And I was like, I do. She's like, well, what do you feel? And I was like, well, it just feels a bit like tight. And um, she's like, yeah. And then it occurred to me that like the right arm is what I use in spinal energetics to sort of like pull the energy. So like I go like this to sort of, and my hand shakes, it's wild, but Um, it was just a moment of like, well, duh, of course it's tight. Like not that by the way, I don't believe that I'm taking on energy that's bad. I don't believe that. I just believe all energy is energy and it's, I can't take that on. It's my, it's my responsibility to move through whatever energy is in the room of my clients. But what I did kind of realize was like the energy was pulling, just kind of lodging in my armpit, which is just, again, like energy and motion. And this idea that like the energetic exchange from my clients and I requires me to create more space emotionally, but like actual physical space in my body. So it's like holding a tension point. So thank goodness for her to be able to support me in that awareness because I am human. I forget. We forget every day. So oh, yeah. Multiple times. I'm sweating so yeah. much too. Good <laughs> feedback. <laughs> I know. It's it's a it's a lot to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. I'm having like so many moments of like just little ahas. Mm, I love that. Just like I love oh life ahas. Gosh. Well, because I've never talked about like how we grew up, but um, it was definitely a more spiritual household. Um, you know, we grew up in San Diego, North County, San Diego, with the like, um, like the the Buddhist gardens, and mm-hmm. you know, my mom. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on her religion right now. Anyway. <laughs> Um, she always talks about your soul family yeah, and how we are going down the stream of life with our people. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then 
some of us will go over the waterfall mm-hmm. at separate times, mm-hmm. but then we'll meet in the pool below. Mm-hmm. And for you, that looks a little bit different, but it's the same concept. Yeah. Right. We'll meet again. Well, and yeah, if it's fair for me to kind of explain my thoughts. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so for me, I guess when we talk about the voice within, so if we talk about, oh, let me think how old Josie was. I can't remember, but she did something that was morally wrong. Mm-hmm. And she said, a voice within me told me to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. but that is actually not okay. So I believe there are multiple voices, but I believe it comes from good and evil mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And there has to be in my mind and my belief and everything from the Bible that I believe says that there has to be a source of that. Mm -hmm. There's a source of good and evil. Like nothing come, everything doesn't come from nothing. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there had to be a creator. There had to be, um, it had to be created. There had to be a fight. And that's why the spiritual realm is existing because Mm -hmm. there's fights going on in the background Mm -hmm. and spirits fighting your battles for you and whether or not you're aware of that. Um, so I believe in angels and demons. I believe I've seen an angel, me and Brandon have seen an angel work before. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. So I think when we talk about like the voices in our head too, it's also important to say, you shouldn't listen to every single one. You have one. to have discernment. You have to have discernment. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's why I believe the Bible is what gives us the guide mm-hmm. for that discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to to mention the the things that I do kind of agree and think. and Yeah, source. there's just a different kind of perception. Right, but right. Discernment yeah. helps. That's the word. Discernment, Because yeah. discernment is, to me, like coming from more uh, supportive awareness of yourself where it's not to say that like, cause on the other side of that is recklessness mm-hmm. and destruction Yeah, uh, that could come from this idea of like the voice within. And this is like, we could live again, another podcast perhaps, right. but <laughs> I love the idea of how I think it kind of still just relates back to connection too, because in order to have discernment, what do you need to have? You need to have presence. Mm -hmm. You need to have space within yourself to be able to pause. You need to have connection. Did I say that? Yes. Presence, connection, and then discernment, which can come from so many different pathways. Yeah. But even I know for Caitlin and I too, we bring discernment into our practice with our clients too, because it also is on us to be aware and connected to our client enough to share some of the information that maybe we're receiving from their body or witnessing that is going to help them. Or if it's going to maybe make them worse off. I I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Like I don't think necessarily it makes someone worse off, but like for a while, because I do get so much information when I do a session, like I use the chakras as kind of my guide and go over them. And I go over the body multiple times and I will see random things. I will see things that make zero sense to me. Um, One client, literally when I was at her feet, I just saw her like shuffling in a circle over and over and over again. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but like, I've got to share it with her. And she's like, oh my gosh, I literally say every single day. I feel like I'm walking in circles. (laughs) I was like, okay, well, like energetically you kind of are. So obviously I knew that wasn't going to put her off in a worse place, but I know people too that are maybe really stretching themselves to come have an experience with me with Reiki, maybe delving into the past life experience that I witnessed for them in that session 
isn't going to be beneficial for them. Maybe that's going to be too much. And it's just using my discernment in my connection with them on what I choose to share. And we have a responsibility when you put yourself, when we put ourselves out there in this realm, like it's required for us to be doing our own work, to be seeking support because never do I ever want to feel like an expert in the sense of like, I'm not ever going to tell my client what they're experiencing. In fact, something I'll say is, they'll want to come and ask me all these very specific questions <laughs> mm-hmm. about themselves. I, I do that to her. being like that all the time. I like, do yes, that to her all the time. What's coming through for you right now? And yeah, I want to just say back to them, like I see this part of you that really wants to know and wants me to tell you because it, it it's anxiety really that's speaking mm. in their bodies. That's like, uh, but I'm not okay unless I can tidy this up and it's undone and I don't like that feeling. So what I will say, and they don't like it, but it's like, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of put this back on you and just say like, perhaps you could journal about like, what is your body telling you? Or let's ask your body. And that's not to say, by the way, that in a conversation where I'm working with a client and they're in front of me and they're talking through something cognitively that I'm not going to pause them and say, when you just spoke about that, I noticed that your red, your neck got really red. And then just the act of witnessing them requires them to pause. And usually there's tears behind it because mm-hmm. you're giving them permission to feel. So it's not just like a bypassing uh, of me putting it back onto them all the time. But yeah, yeah it's just the word discernment. It's, it's really, really you guiding them back to themselves <laughs> yes. to reconnect there. Yeah. 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 And there's so much disconnection right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We want to be outside of ourselves mm-hmm. now more than I think ever in history. Absolutely. I mean, look at virtual headsets. Like literally we want to be completely disconnected from our reality and, and our bodies. And the more that we do that, the harder it is to get back inside of your body to mm-hmm. say, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel my heart beating really, really fast. Why is it beating really, really mm-hmm. fast? My yeah. hands are clammy. Yeah. Like what is going on? You know, we don't have time or we don't make time yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah, And I... I wonder, like, what does that even look like in 30 years? Which is what you're supposed to take time for during your adolescence. And our teenagers are like pushed to, you got to do all these clubs. You got to take all these AP classes. You got to do all of this for college. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're filling that space and time when their body is wired at that time. To figure that out, mm. yeah. yeah, I love that. To you have that moment back of to quiet, that, Sarah. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like it, it's just the way that our entire society is set up is totally messed up. Oh, it is. So, it, oh, yeah. Don't even get me in that rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother rabbit. Well, and that's like this duality that mm-hmm. we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Is so we have our little thirteen acres in the woods where we get to spend this really pivotal time with these kids from two years old up until if we're lucky enough, fifth grade yeah, Mm -hmm. and be able to like, like, no, your whole experience at school is to figure out your emotional regulation. It's really great if you could read too. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) But if you can emotionally regulate as like a five-year-old, to an appropriate degree, right. Where Mm -hmm. you can name your emotions and be self-aware and, Mm -hmm. um, have that foundational piece then we've done our job. Yes. But also I recognize that we are sending you into this world that doesn't support that. It doesn't. Yeah. No. And it's very hard. I not to toot Logan's horn again or anything, but you can toot it. <laughs> toot his horn. I'll toot it. He's not, not going to listen. But well, both kids, we went to the, um, they're both in middle school. We went to their 
student-led teacher conferences, whatever. Um, and both of them went to our school and two of teacher Logan's teachers separately said to me, um, in their own little ways, but both said our favorite thing about him is that he's so self-aware. You can pull him aside and say, but like, what's up? You got a lot of energy. And he can say, I know I'm really frustrated right now because Mm. I didn't get to go outside and do PE because I had health today. So I've been sitting all day long and I just need to move my body because I have so much energy for him, you know, and it's because there was that time and space for him to be able to learn how to say that instead of what's up. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think if we can do that even earlier, they can practice in their teenage years. But if we are, I hate using the word lucky and I paused there because I was about to say, we are intentional. If, if we make the decision to (laughs) make time for these things when they are young and they are so open and willing to take it all in. Yeah. They get to have the experience yeah, as I mean, teenagers. They're literally practice. sponges from zero to seven years old. They yeah. are just in theta and they are absorbing. Well, mm-hmm. and they're learning. In order for Logan to have the ability to be able to actually uh, attune to his experience and then out it like the, that, yes, requires. Voice I mean, I have to say, Caitlin, that there's some kind of that, there's that going on. He's receiving the attunement from you and your partner. So yeah kudos he was also born into like a really incredible like my again not to toot my own family's horn but like (laughs) the amount of awareness that we have in the space that we grew up in to be able to say these things and have it be completely fine and be able to share almost anything with your family and have it be acceptable Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) a gift it is is a a gift. gift it is I mean literally 95 percent of the people I work on they have so when I do Reiki, I, I can feel where there's energetic blocks where energy is not flowing through their body as it should. 95% of them have blocks in their throat because we don't know the language, we don't know how to use our voice. And maybe it's also it can be that we're not being heard, it's not being received. So maybe we told our dad and our mom that we were feeling X, Y, and Z, but it was just shoved to the side and was like, no, you don't feel that, or completely ignored, not honored. Then we just we, we clam up. I mean, we begin to close it down and we forget how to really use it and use it in an empowering way. So that is one of the things that I see in almost everybody is throat chakra shit. Mm. <laughs> that they need to work through on that. Yeah. Well, specifically because all of our teachers are women, Luke mm-hmm. is the only man that works at the school. Wow. Okay. There is so much extra language mm-hmm. where we are justifying, where mm-hmm. we are trying to make sense, where we are trying not to hurt your feelings, where we are trying to say mm-hmm. all these other things except the thing that we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a really simple example, but one of our teachers had to come up with a plan for this student who was having unsafe behavior. And Mm -hmm. the plan was after this many times of like, you know, connecting with him and all this stuff, you would have to come pick him up. When she called, she said, I think it's a good idea if you come to pick him up. Mm. Well, for somebody who's on the other side of that. Well, that's an option. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm working. (laughs) Yeah, it's an option. (laughs) Right. But what she really meant was, he needs to be picked up today and we'll try again tomorrow. Yes. Right? Well, he never got picked up. No. Because <laughs> he was not yeah. at, being told that or right. she was not told to mm-hmm. come pick him up. Yeah. And so yeah. I see it so often, more so in females, mm-hmm. because... Not me. 
<laughs> no, Good. Yeah. You wouldn't have a blocked throat chakra. <laughs> Sarah, you're yeah. really connected with the back of your body because that's fair. Okay. I mean, it. it it's it's a I, I don't even like the word boundaries. I'm like I understand. I love boundaries, but I don't like <laughs> any yes. essence. Yes. Yes. yes, I just don't like the word, the word. boundaries anymore. Uh-huh. I like to think of it as edges. Why? Um, okay, so when you are upholding a boundary, it feels like you're like it's just a block, mm-hmm. it's a, a wall. wall. Okay, yeah. Whereas it's just a it's just nuance. It's, it's semantics for me. But if you're uh, connecting to yourself you're finding edges of your own experience so really it's just about authenticating that and making it out so clear is kind and it, you know it's all the things but yeah it's sorry I could li- so many things <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that but yeah it makes sense why it's harder and more difficult for women uh, because we want to be liked we want to belong and as children it was far easier to attach to belonging rather than our authenticity. So mm-hmm. we don't even know what that means half the time. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, it's just get burned so many times that you're like, no, I've just had to set this clear. Yes. <laughs> Have you not always line. been that way? I don't think so. Mm. Like, can you remember a time where you were a little more? I think I've always come across as blunt because my friends would always say later, I used to think you were a bitch till I got to know you. Mm. Like mm-hmm. that I've heard was that too like, many times. That mm-hmm. was like the whole thing mm-hmm. all throughout high school, everything. Everybody yeah. would say that to me. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, I've, I've said I, the same thing. I'm so curious. I'm like, I don't know. What do I do? Yeah. And so, I mean, maybe I've always been more blunt, but just not aware but I'm not trying to be blunt. Like, that's a harsh word. I'm yeah. trying to be a clear communicator. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'd have no ill intent behind it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that we can have tact. But honestly, it's really uh, something, the fact that the word bitch is used when you're just trying to be clear. You know, right. like the yeah. intention behind your clarity is that you're a bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or rather, sorry, that the interpretation of your clarity, of your bluntness if you will yeah Mm -hmm. another word Mm -hmm. is received as you're a bitch I mean that's just like reinforcing the conditioning oh let me make this more digestible for you let me figure out how to make myself present in this like and I still struggle with that yeah I mean it's hard all the time and I think there also is a balance Mm -hmm. of it too because when you said let me make this more presentable to you there are employees of ours that I do change the way that I speak and I give them information because I know who they are and how they receive the world. And that's why I love the Enneagram so much because I can tailor a little bit how I communicate with you based on how you are going to take it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is really a magnificent skill that humans have. I mean, thank goodness for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We just have to, I always say like, it's, it's about, um, you know, when we're little, uh, I'm think I'm thanking Dr. Sarah Jane for this uh, analogy. It's not mine, but she she said like when we're little, we touch a stove and it's hot, but we don't want to apply that same experience of remembering in the body that it's hot, so we don't touch the stove anymore. We don't want to apply that to touching the fridge, and it's the same as like we have acquired this skill of knowing, and some people have acquired it more so than others because of their experiences with their caretakers but like I know what I need to do in order to make this person receive me like me this or that and the other Mm -hmm. I think that it's like you said it's both and it's a balance of like I know this is what this person needs 
But at what point, too, does this feel like I'm abandoning my own experience, mm-hmm. too? And that's, yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things in motherhood, though, honestly, because I see that with my daughter. It's like, I I find that I'm trying to get her to conform mm-hmm. to what it is that I need her to do, mm-hmm. which is not authentic to her. And it's trying to find that balance of still allowing her to be a full expression of her and, and her authenticity while also yes. getting X, Y, and Z done because it just, you know, you can't eat the goldfish in your room because then there could be bugs, like <laughs> stuff like that. Just the little things where she's like, no, but like, I just want to do this because this is me. And yeah. it's, it's an interesting balance because I don't want to dim her light so that when she is older, she can just be herself. When she's in middle school, she can feel grounded in who she is mm-hmm. and not allow society to shift that at that all. That looks so different for every family and every mm-hmm. person. For yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And for I'm sure. still of the belief that no matter how hard you try and how good we are and how intentional we are yeah. and how much we research and know what we're doing and uh, we're still going to fuck them up somehow. For sure. 100%. We can't love perfectly. That's definitely true. No. And that's a kind of a relief, isn't it? It, it is. is. A little bit. It is. It yeah. absolutely is. We have that conversation all the time. It's like, I take the things that I liked from my childhood or stuff I thought was done correctly and mm-hmm. implement that and stuff I thought was mm-hmm. not done. Yep. Mm-hmm. Throw it out. My husband brings the same mm-hmm. thing yeah. to it and our kids are going to do the same thing and Absolutely. they're just going to look completely different. Oh yeah. But then yeah. meld those two together <laughs> and I immediately was like, uh-huh. And then how does that look? <laughs> because it's like what you may have said, oh, this didn't, I'm leaving this behind. He's like, oh, this worked well in my family, right? (laughs) You're like, oh. It um, is a wonder that we can come together with another human being mm. and be together for, if you're monogamous, long time, yeah, Yeah. like your whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And still feel like your own person and be able to raise these humans that are you guys melded together. Oh, yeah. Like, it is wild. It's it an is, experience. It's crazy. It is an experience. It's trippy for Conscious, sure. Conscious like partnership I think is going to be a place in which I'm feeling myself feel very drawn to because it is so hard and it requires uh, tools that we don't have necessarily like uh, immediate access to. Like we have to learn them. And, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that we always have to be in the work, by the way. I feel like we have to play and stuff like that. But I, yeah, being in life with someone else when there's just so much that you're both bringing to the table. Yeah. And kudos to all of us for doing it with military people. Oh, my gosh. They are straight up brainwashed. Uh-huh, literally. <laughs> So a lot of although our th- probably self aware in yes, that they are yes mm-hmm. yes towards the as they get older because they took quite a long time to mature but um, <laughs> yeah so are your husbands also like lifers have they been in uh, they um, yeah both yeah. retired okay both okay. retired at the same time right just yeah, my husband just retired at twenty at twenty not wow. a day over <laughs> not see a day mine's over. like I'm fine if I go over I'm like because you're scared of the real world just like rip the band aid and there's a big part of that and Luke talks about this with a lot of guys is like step one you're gonna have to come to terms with you are never gonna have this again Mm -hmm. you are never gonna have this type of camaraderie you're never Mm -hmm. gonna have this type of adventure Mm -hmm. this type of adrenaline and if you are convinced that you're gonna go seek that on the outside you're forever gonna be unhappy you're gonna chase it yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so he's like first you have to come to grips with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah once you do that Mm -hmm. then you can be like okay what am I good at what do I like what you know what's gonna help me be fulfilled and all of these things that's why he spends all of his time on the tractor at school um You know, he's That's outside. <laughs> he gets to work with his hands. He gets and a to big see, machine. Yeah, <laughs> treated as a I love that. With a tractor. <laughs> but 
I think if he didn't come to terms with, oh, I'm going to mourn the loss of this thing and let it go and think of it. He's still coming around to like not feeling as jaded towards the end because sure. of him having to be in Tennessee for three years. Yeah, and us being brutal. Here, mm. Which was not the plan. Mm-hmm. No. Like that's not the plan that was told to us. Yes. <laughs> wow. You can stay here and retire from here. Oh, no, you can't. There's orders for you to leave. Wow. Um. So had he not come to grips with that, I think it would have been a much different journey mm-hmm. even harder yeah yeah that makes sense so yeah and that's a whole thing in itself Gosh, that there's transition. so many threads of oh, conversations yeah. that i would love to have with you i know yeah, yeah. Well, we're i mean we're <laughs> very relatable we're, i think to everybody listening <laughs> yes. so caitlin and i our husbands are potentially on a similar timeline so we'll maybe be very different paths but yeah. our story is very similar in the sense that a lot of our journey has been unexpected mm-hmm. uh yeah, and so we'll see. We'll see where it goes, but who the heck it's knows? It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's the retirement it is. process is hard, and yeah. it takes a lot of introspection on their part that they've not had time to do. Yeah, while serving, that's right. Mm-hmm. Time or space or space yeah. or yeah or, or support <laughs> safety. Yeah, because yeah. if they do begin to start to think about, there's also it, it's like that's not the point of the military's mission in the sense of like what they have to harness in order to do the thing. And so, yeah, I, I'm really grateful for all of the incredible like nonprofit organizations that are seeking to support, not just the mel uh, the member, but the spouses on the other side. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are some really great ones, Mm -hmm. especially even just recently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I brought that up because he's now, agreeing with some of the stuff I've been saying for our 20 years of marriage. Oh, weird how that happens. (laughs) Let's look at the root cause of this. Let's not just take medicine. Let's not just give our kids all the shots that the doctor says. I basically just need like a direct line to Joe Rogan or Andrew Huberman's podcast. So like if they talk about it on there, then my husband will come home and be like, I listened to this on Huberman Lab today. And I'm like, that's interesting. I've been talking about that for months. But okay. just who was I talking to this? I don't even remember, but we were saying, oh, it was my brother. <laughs> yeah. Taryn. Yeah. We had a great conversation with them. Um, Taryn was on the podcast too. You should listen. To that. I did okay. listen oh. to that one. Yeah. Okay, it was great. lovely. Yeah. Um, I'll connect you guys because I think it's yeah. really all intertwined. But um, we were saying like, Nobody wants to hear the things they need to hear from their spouse or like their sibling or at this point your parents like you don't want to hear it from them. We need an outside source. Yeah. We need like someone that we can kind of idolize a Uh little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or is just like completely on the periphery, but you have respect for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like we can't hear it from our closest people. Right. The stakes are (laughs) too high. Especially my husband. Yeah. And the dynamics are probably... So rooted in previous iterations of how you were relating. So if there's a new thing brought to it, there's usually a hook. All the old stuff comes yes, right back. It does. In. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and then there's all the shame of like, oh, if I don't do it this way, or I'm not doing those things. So do you look at me that way? Like I'm not good enough or yeah. whatever it is. And yeah. now I, are you ashamed of me as a partner? We usually <laughs> feel very critiqued rather than like I'm seeing this as an opportunity. It's it's very difficult and requires a lot of oh, like regulation of the body to be like when you do bring forward something to your partner, it is about like how you language it so that they can hear it. But oftentimes, again, depending on the situation, it's like, we hear it as I'm not doing it right rather than yeah. like, ah, thank it's you criticism. for handing this to me. Like I can tell that you care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. oh, no. Yeah. What Enneagram type perceives it that way? 
<laughs> I don't know. You're the <laughs> type. What is what are you, Caitlin? I'm an Enneagram three. So okay. am I. Yeah. I You're knew you were. Yep. And you are one. a one. Two and a nine, even. Oh, what do you like the core purpose though? Like your core motivation. So to be fair, it's been a, a, like three years since I read that book and I really liked it. I, I think the nine is the peacemaker. Yes. So that's really deeply important Ingrained. for me. And I, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. It so is. I mean, it is. a very intentional word. Yes, it, it, it is. is though. It, and they've witnessed it in friendships. Like yeah. having to sit with conflict of people who I care about uh, ignites massive uh, disease in me. Um, so I think that has been something that, again, using discernment of like, is this coming up to me and for me from a place of wounding? And how do I stay with myself so that I can stay like this doesn't have to be about my safety doesn't depend on two people that I care about having a conflict or like being mm. okay I can be okay even when they're not okay so, so I wonder if maybe your nine is like kind of your influential like how you mm. were influenced versus your natural perhaps being more of a two yeah but also I think it goes to what we were saying about earlier on the way here Peyton is the idea that like I can't think in I don't speak in absolutes. Right. I have a beautiful quality of being able to understand other people's experiences and that like leaning in to be able to have such deep compassion. Mm -hmm. But there's a caveat when my ability to be compassionate with others, it's like almost like a hidden coping mechanism for me where I am so conscious of other people's experience, understanding it so deeply that I use it unless I'm being aware of it. Uh, to avoid my own experience. Yes. Um, so this is a total nine quality. Yeah. Yes. Like that you could have just written a little paragraph. Nah, there about. we go. So there we go. <laughs> but the, for whatever reason, the two is author. I'm okay. Can you refresh two. my memory on a three? Because it's been years since I've looked into it's it. It's the achiever. Oh, yeah. So okay. the wounding mm -hmm. message is that we're only as good as the achievements that we produce. Okay. We are what we do. We are not loved for who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in childhood, that may have looked like, um, you know, I get straight A's because I'm only praised and seen when I produce those straight A's mm, yes. or, um, that's interesting because I barely graduated high school. So I didn't go for those A's. Well, and it probably showed up in a different way. Yes. Of, you know, yes. you want the star. Yeah. So you can be seen, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes we learn to, okay, we produce, we achieve. Great. That was fun. On to the next thing because yeah. I need that mm -hmm. validation of, oh, do you love me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you love me now? Do you yeah. see what I've created now? Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Until that you're more self-aware yeah. and you realize, like you started out, this whole conversation is like, this work is only a, a part of me. Yeah. Yeah. This is part of who I am. It is not who I am. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And I believe we do a lot of that work. If you are self-aware mm -hmm. in your thirties, I think yes. that's when you Agree. kind of like Absolutely. open up a little bit to like, Oh, these are the things that I do. And this is why I do them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do mm -hmm. I like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh -huh. The um, analysis a bit of that. Yeah. 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 Do I like the way I handle that? Is mm -hmm. that an innate thing? That's my knee jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, how could I handle this differently? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and also if we go to astrology, because that's just like mm -hmm. how I was raised. My mom's an astrologer. Um, there's actually a really pivotal part of the planetary system that happens 
when you're between 28 to 32. And that is Saturn is coming back to the place that it was when you were born. Hmm. So it's really like a very pivotal few years. Um, a lot of experiences happen, kind of like the Empire Falls, and it gets rebuilt in your late 20s into your early 30s. And that's where the self-awareness starts to come in, too. So a lot of people can actually reflect back on experiences they had in their late 20s into their early 30s and have like, oh, shit, that would make sense that yeah, all like of that happened then. Funneling through the Rolodex right <laughs> yeah. now in my head. Like, yes. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah checks out. Yeah. Sarah, what, are, what is a one? I can't remember. Everything is values based. Oh, so, that makes so much sense. Even the, just from yeah. what I've gotten the to know. The perfectionist, the reformer, right, wrong, black, yeah. white. Yeah. That makes total sense. That's yes. Brene Brown. She is a one too. I yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, um, I'm very clear with communication, <laughs> uh-huh. like they said. Rules oriented. Very rules oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Really? I wonder mm-hmm. if my husband's a one. He is very black and white. And I'm like, there are thousands of colors I see right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're very opposite in and, that sense. And I don't think I'm fully black and white. I mean, it's a spectrum. Yeah, it's right? a spectrum. So as you get more self-aware, yeah. you're like, oh, there is some gray area. Yeah, oh, there, yeah. a new color just popped up. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another version of gray. I appreciate the ones, though, because I think I, I perceive, I feel this way when I'm around you, that you are really grounded mm-hmm. um, and able to stay focused. And I, I don't know, I appreciate that. I could I mean, definitely see you that. You have... Five or six children? Five. Five. Oof. And do so much. Technically seven. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I just, I, I feel like that is a quality of a one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very rooted. Mm-hmm. Rooted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, can your Enneagram change? So, I mean, I'm no expert. I okay. just dive I, in. I know, I know that you like it, though. Stuff. Yeah. I love it. Um, but the experts, and I quote that, mm-hmm. um, say that you are born with a specific type and your okay. life experiences just reinforce the way you view the world. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yes. But like when I took the test, my one and my three and my eight were all equal. Like oh, interesting. On the graph. So okay. I had to go read like each thing. I, yeah. told, I sent the picture to Caitlin because she's like, you need to get this figured out. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I, I need to know this. <laughs> I need to know this. I'm going to talk about it all the time. I'm like, okay. Yes, um, so she's like, you need to read about all of them. And which See which one, one resonates. Resonates. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, my one, three, and eight were all equal on it. And I think the three and the eight comes from experience of trying the three, trying to people please, trying to right. get the validation, trying right. to do all of that mm-hmm. absolutely throughout my childhood, whereas the one is just who I am. Yeah. Like, this is just what... Yeah, it's how you view the world. And I, and I have no trouble telling people that, like, this is what I believe, this yeah. is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I had, like, a wing... Yeah. Remember, okay, so I have a wing seven. What's a seven? I forget. So you can't have a wing seven. Okay, I can't. Wait, Never mind. I don't. So think of you'll like, have a wing. <laughs> think like of wings. Four yeah. or two. Four or two. It has to be on either side of your number. Oh shit! I don't so remember. So you, you may, if you if you are an Enneagram three, yeah, you may just have scored really high on a seven. Maybe that's what it was. Because just like a one, three, and an eight, your behaviors can look very, very similar, but yeah. your reason and your intention behind doing them is very different. Gotcha. So the seven's okay. like the adventurer, the enthusiast. The, they want to be spontaneous. Yeah, they want I, yeah. There you go. all mm-hmm. the fun. They don't want to deal with any negative emotions. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're all about like the hat, the <laughs> cup half full, like yeah. zest of life, rose colored glasses. The yes. three can be like that though. 
And then my husband's like, uh, the glass is empty. And I'm like, what? No, Don't there's a drop of water in there. How they like <laughs> look at that come gosh. together though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are, yes, we are so opposite. Because that's how we are too. Yeah. He really? He's like, he always says, like, you're flying and I'm the anchor dragging behind you yeah. to make sure that like we can we can do this. You yeah. Know? And I'm like, that sounds so horrible, but also I'm embracing it. Yeah. Because he is like who knows how who knows how high I'll float without yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. I need like some grounding force. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Me yeah. too. I'm ex- we're exactly the same. Yeah. So. I, I think a lot of people attract you know opposites attract but i think there is some because there's lessons in it yeah like if you have someone that's just like you what are you going to learn from them i've had that yeah definitely like attracted to our partners for reasons that we can support uh i'll say the word healing i mean really we have opportunity in our partnerships especially with our children i believe this to be true and i kind of came into this work I was a school counselor at Mormon Montessori and, and held conscious parent workshops. And I would always say, if you can shift your lens, if you can just see your children as your teachers and be able to use how you're relating to them and, and shift it into a way of being like, they're activating me, they're giving me information about my own experience. Can I feel safe enough to inquire about that? Our teachers are showing us the way in the most innocent, they're constantly mirroring us Mm -hmm. I mean it's freaking hard but it's also really powerful yeah it's beautiful yeah yeah when my two-year-old walks around goes oh (laughs) or he says you've said it so many times (laughs) so funny I was like oh gosh he's repeating what I say because my kids will ask me a question I'll answer Mm -hmm. they'll ask me again I'll give them the same answer Mm -hmm. so I'm like I've already told you so many times yes (laughs) so now my two-year-old walks around I've told you so many times Uh well I I have no idea what time it is like my perception yeah we oh yeah but yeah it's 11 30 okay oh my gosh Okay. Yeah. So we'll yeah, places to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we could talk for for a long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have so many more questions. I have so many things that I want to know. <laughs> Any burning desire questions that you need to know today? Yeah. Um, do you have time to answer a question? I have I a do. question. Okay. Do you have time, Kate? You- I do. I just have a client at one. Oh, okay. okay, we're good. Perfect. Okay. So uh, in talking with my brother, mm-hmm. I was talking about language and the use of language. Mm-hmm. And I'm so fascinated by, because I consider myself an intentional person, mm-hmm. but I um, I don't use language the same way that you do. And I notice it in how you speak and how intentional you are with words and you, you said as much. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And like how it developed for you. Gosh. Oh, where did it come from? Honestly, I think it, it probably has come from, gosh, it's a really good question. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's really, it's requiring me to sit with it. I could answer it in a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. I think from younger parts of me, it's come from safety, honestly, of like, you have to, you have to, you have to get it right. You have to find the right words in order for you to be heard and seen. So in that way, it's painful. I'm going to cry. And I think it's also because the way that you use your voice matters 
in terms of creating safety for others. And I care so deeply about that. I realize uh, one of the teachers that I also follow, um, her name's Madeline, and she says that there's semantics in the somatics in that the way that I say the word mm, devotion that may feel into your body or you may receive that differently than I do. Mm-hmm. So it's just really this idea that like we have to be intentional and conscious about the language that we're using because it is doing a lot to the people that we're relating to. Like as we're talking, my nervous system is meeting yours. That's what's actually happening. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. It's been something that I've had to use to support my growth, uh, but it probably didn't come from a place that felt very good. That's mm. what I was going to ask. If mm-hmm. if there was something in childhood where you didn't feel like your voice was properly heard and therefore you had to work <sighs> no. for it mm-hmm. or a relationship or something like that. That's very much true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My question. And if it's too polarizing, we can delete it out. Okay. It's a very specific spiritual question. Okay. okay. <laughs> so connecting belief and science. Mm-hmm. So I believe that the soul is inserted at conception Mm -hmm. and science shows light Mm -hmm. happens at conception. Mm -hmm. Do you believe with past life regression and stuff? That's why I was asking about the human aspect and all of that. Do you believe one animals have a soul and also that our soul is inserted at conception and kind of your beliefs behind all of that? Cause that's why I'm like 100% against abortion because Mm -hmm. it's not our job to alleviate or get rid of a soul. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and also why I feel all the way I do about vaccines and the whole values based mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. those connections and things. Um, and then if you think animals have a soul, how does that go in? Like with food and are you a vegan? Mm. Ah, so <laughs> I'll start with the last question first. Uh, I was actually a vegetarian or a pescatarian, I should say when I met my husband, um, 11 years ago and it just did not, uh, it didn't feel supportive to continue to do that and have all of these different meals basically. So no, I am no longer a pescatarian. Um, and I do believe animals have souls because if you've met my dog, <laughs> you would know that he has a soul. He is, I, I say this all the time, like he is my soulmate in dog form. I am obsessed with that dog. I actually firmly believe that he was my childhood dog reincarnated because of just the connection that I have with him. Um, but I do, I will say this. If I had to raise my own animals and then slaughter them to eat them, I would not be able to do it. Same. I could not, honestly, because I do feel a connection. I can go and pet a cow and feel a connection to a soul in that way. Society has made it to where I'm disconnected from my food in that way. And so it doesn't feel as in my face. It, it's something that I can ignore, um, if I'm being completely honest, and something that I have ignored. I do bless my food and reiki it um, before we eat. And I try to make sure that that is a conscious like practice of mine for myself, my family, the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and all of that and about conception. Um, I believe that the soul kind of bounces in and out. I think, yes, there is a point when the soul comes into the body, but I think because it's not here, we are still able to go in and out of the body. I believe even I am able to leave my body to a capacity during meditation or anything like that to where I can kind of travel. I travel at night when I dream. And I believe that there is a, a, um, oh, I'm losing the word. There is a, a portion of my soul that is able to leave my body and explore other realms and ethers and all of that. Um, obviously not to the extent where my heart stops beating or anything like that. So I think that the souls that come into a woman's body, I think that they come and go. They kind of have fun. They get to bounce around. I've read um, some really great books where people have talked about stories like that, about that they knew the moment they conceived because of the spiritual experience they had. Um, but then like the child would then talk about how they would come and go. Like if something got really hard and they were uncomfortable in the body that they would kind of just leave for a little bit and then they'd come back into the body. So mm. I believe that resonates for me. Um, but I also agree that I think that everything happens for a reason. I think that souls choose the dynamics that they do. And I think that there are times where a woman has the option to have full choice over her body and that that soul that may be inside of her body at that time had that agreement that they were not going to live out this lifetime in that way. So thank you for answering. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was just very curious about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love these kinds of conversations. I could talk about it for hours. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they are, they are tender and they are really, um, charged, but I think that there's beauty in where we can sit safely together at a 100%. table hundred percent, right, and be able to out your experience and Absolutely. just hear it and then be able to share and recognize that that's just a lens and that it's an important one and there's different implications and ones that can feel really char like activating to the body but yeah to be able to just hear both of those perspectives honestly feels like a I'm going to say it feels like a gift again. Yeah. yeah. That's why I wanted I to ask because I, I wanted agree. people to hear. Yeah. Everything. So. Yeah. And the idea that, again, our beliefs are just a part of us or that's, that is how I, mm -hmm. through my lens of the mm -hmm. world is mm -hmm. like, I changed a lot of beliefs depending on conversations and different opinions and some Absolutely. are stronger than others. Right. Sure. Like I'm sure for that, that specific thing for you, Sarah is like, that's not a belief that's going to change for you. And I <laughs> yeah. would agree that I have some that I'm very steadfast in as far as values are concerned. Mm -hmm. But the idea that we can just speak candidly about these things and then still say, wow, this was a really beautiful conversation. And it thank was. you for coming. Yeah. Magical. <laughs> like, well, truly. And there is not a lot of space, at least right now. And again, we're just touching the surface, but like whenever there's judgment available or accessible to us, because there will be, because we're human. I, I always see that in myself as like, uh, a really amazing, like a really great space for getting really curious because it means something's really important to me. But often when we're judging outwardly, there's a part of us that's judging within ourselves 100%. too. 100%. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that 100%. has helped me to be able to sit in those conversations because mm -hmm. I too can get very passionate. Oh yes. And my whole, <laughs> like I sweat a lot and yeah. my cheeks get red, my mm -hmm. throat, and it's just feedback 
from my body being like, hey, alert, alert. This is important to you, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. You have opportunity here. And that's why I love discerning between your thoughts and your feelings because mm-hmm. they are not the same thing. They're Absolutely. Not. A feeling is a visceral reaction inside of your body mm-hmm. where you get red in the chest, mm-hmm. where your cheeks turn rosy, yes. mm-hmm. you know, where your palms get clammy or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But those aren't your thoughts. And I think we have to separate the two mm-hmm. to say, like you said, this is feedback. This mm-hmm. is telling me something mm-hmm. inside of myself. If you'll sit there long enough <laughs> <Yes>. to, <laughs> to feel it. The response versus reaction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then to be able to, to discern, okay, well now what do I think? How do I bring myself back into the situation mm-hmm. and formulate thoughts and mm-hmm. opinions, mm-hmm. you know, and was that feeling accurate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Or was it actually just triggered from something else that's completely unrelated, mm-hmm. but feels the same in my body? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And I also just want to point out too, when you talk about souls leaving the body and stuff like yeah. that, it doesn't have to be as woo woo as people think it is. You can sit here and you can close your eyes and daydream Yes, and go somewhere else. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You can, you know, go on a meditation. You can do yoga and it's a meditative practice where Mm -hmm. you can kind of leave what you're doing. You know, it's not as like out there as I think people may think that it is, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, when people aren't necessarily talking about it, I think that's when it becomes like kind of that, like a taboo. It just is like, well, I mean, my grandmother told me that that could happen. So like, it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the more we get to talk about it and Mm -hmm out it and just say like this is my belief other it piques curiosity in other people to form their own belief Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they all of a sudden they believe what I do but at least it opens them up to maybe explore it something that they haven't and they're like okay maybe I could maybe this is what I actually believe that feels right in my body I think it the all-encompassing term for it is just mystery because in essence talking about souls and even like belief systems to a certain degree, it's the mystery of our life. We are in human form. Mm -hmm. So we are just trying to make sense of the unknown and we're doing it in the best way that we can. And we're clearly going to be coming at it from different places, but that's not something that's uh, been a part of my experience for a long time, but I will say there's more trust in myself and also in my experiences when I allow myself to be sort of held in the like mystery of life a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Makes me feel very warm inside talking about (laughs) Yeah. And it kind of, when you can just call it out as what it is, it makes it less scary. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. This was wonderful. It was. It was really So tell everybody where they can find you and all your information. Okay. So we'll start with the cabin on Instagram. That's currently our only platform that we're on. And it is thecabin.moco, M-O-C-O. And then my Instagram is at I am underscore Peyton. Uh, I couldn't think, I couldn't remember where the <laughs> underscore was, um, but my name is spelled weird. So it's P-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. And then Caitlin, your Instagram is what? My name, Caitlin, C-A-I-T-L-I-N-L Briggs. And then my uh, website is a direct link in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can get to my website from there and too. And we'll link it all. Yes. And who were we giving the breathwork credit to? You said, make sure we link Oh, them. thank you. Revelation Breathwork. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. So yeah. Much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank this you. is so good. Vulnerable and sharing yeah. 
everything that may be taboo. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for giving us a platform for, for that. Yes. Yeah. And I Absolutely. think that, you know, the big takeaway is simply to just be open-minded and be curious. Yeah. Everybody can still hold their own beliefs and mm-hmm. also accept the curiosity and, and questions. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.